Welcome back. Now, last week we talked about uh, the ketogenic diet and, and how it relates to um, mental health and some uh, different things that we think about as it relates to um, our field um, of mental health. But in this week, we're gonna expand that and talk about um, mental health as it relates to diet, especially as it relates to um, sugar and, um, well, we'll just get down to uh, diabetes and things like that. Um, there's a lot to talk about this uh, in this area because my goodness, um, there are so many people that are affected by diabetes. Mm -hmm. We tend to think of it in a very restricted way as it relates to physical health. Um, but we're gonna talk about a study that not just relates it to mental health, but also talks about some things that we should consider as it relates to maybe some of these issues start in childhood. Right, right. Yeah, the, the whole issue of diet, um, you know, we're all hearing a lot these days about the gut-brain connection and the gut biome and the flora in your gut and what's the relationship between your gut biome and, and um, things like depression and anxiety, um, other types of mental illness. Um, and so what we're trying to do is, is sort sift through that and provide what appears to us to be pretty reliable information, and very useful information, and very practical information as, as you try to decide what foods you should eat and what foods you should be avoiding, both for your overall uh, physical health, but also your mental health. Um, and so that's what we wanna present some of this information this morning. And we found that one about one that generally speaks to these issues in adults, and one, uh, surprisingly, is a large study that was undertaken in children mm -hmm. uh, that suggests that we need to be careful about the, these, the same issues in childhood because um, these um, uh, diet, diet uh, the way we eat today, especially in the United States, um, might have mental health implications later in life. We used to think that children could just about eat whatever they wanted because they burned it all off because they were so active. If children, if children are not as active as they once were, then um, that's going to change. Uh, and maybe we should start questioning that assumption. Absolutely. So, so we posted two links to two articles in the show notes. And the first one is just going to give us a bit of an overview as it relates to diabetes um, and how, you know, what diabetes is. We're not, we're not going to go into a lot of detail about that because um, this isn't a, a diabetes podcast. But and endocrinology class, right? right. There's, a, there's a lot of good information in the article. And, and again, we'll go, we'll go through some of it. And, um, but it relates that to depression and some other mental health conditions. And then we'll, you know, a lot of that information is going to help us better understand the information that's presented in the second article, which um, reports on a study, that large study that you were talking about. So, so let's start out by talking a little bit about what what diabetes is? There, there's there's a couple of different types, right? Right, right. Um, yeah, because there's this relationship between diabetes, obesity, and depression. There's some there's some combination of factors here, and I think that's what we mainly want to talk about is this relationship between diabetes, obesity, and depression. That those three things seem to be related to each other, and it's a it's a pretty significant problem because. Um, about 42, 43% of our population is obese. Right. So obesity, we all know, obesity is becoming a problem. If you look back at pictures, uh, family albums, 
right. from, the, from the 40s and 50s. Oh, look at World War II soldiers. They were all lean. They were all skinny. You didn't see many fat soldiers. Um, it's not because they were just active. We just ate differently in those years. I, I pulled out an old photograph of my father and uncles and everything. And they were all these eight guys sitting on a hillside somewhere. And they were all lean. They were all thin. There was no belly fat on any of them. And I think it was because of the way we ate in those days, the way they ate in those days. Um, my son went to France a few years ago and said, Dad, everybody's small there. And what he meant was they're lean. They're, they're not corporate. They're big like we are. Mm -hmm. But 42% of us are obese. And so we got to talk obesity, diabetes, and depression. Right. And, and it's, you know, and that relationship is, is primarily associated with type 2 diabetes, right? Type so two. Right. type 1 diabetes is, is a condition that oftentimes first manifests in childhood. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a, a medical condition that has relatively little, if anything, to do with diet. Um, right. There's some things that are necessary to help control it through your diet mm. and manage it through your diet, but it's not caused by one's diet. Right. Like right. diabetes, on the other hand, is sort of is the insulin dependent uh, diabetes. And, and that is typically uh, associated with diet. Uh, you know, high carbohydrate diets tend to lead to, as you suggested, um, obesity. Um, and obesity, um, people who are obese have a higher prevalence of diabetes mm -hmm. and heart condition and lots of other things. Uh, so there's a, there's, it's, it's a very tangled web once we start getting into that, um, that area. But as you said, um, even when we look at kids now, there's more and more kids being diagnosed with type right. 2 diabetes. In, in the past, as I said, type 1 diabetes was very commonly, most commonly diagnosed in childhood. Right. Type 2 diabetes because kids aren't as active and because, as you said, the diet that we're eating now. Mm -hmm. Now, Bernie, you took that course on, what well, is it, nutrition or something several years ago? Mm -hmm. Is it diet now? And we've talked to Leslie Korn, the uh, right. dietitian at Harvard. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Type 1 diabetes is your pancreas doesn't produce enough insulin. It just doesn't, it doesn't give you enough insulin, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have enough insulin, you don't break down the glucose. Right. Okay. Type 2 diabetes is that you are, you're, um, you are eating too many carbohydrates and your body is constantly trying to break that down and you're constantly producing insulin and eventually the body builds up a tolerance to insulin is yeah that accurate? it's it's a it's a very complicated system and, right um, and yeah it, and, and they both have to do with the breakdown of insulin or the breakdown of, of sugar via insulin right. um yes what happens in type 2 diabetes is that um your your body your body isn't producing insulin in response to your your dietary intake the way that it should and right. that's why you know a person with type 2 diabetes they'll eat something and their blood sugar will spike and it will spike because they're not it's not releasing enough insulin to break down the sugar and so the sugar stays in the in the bloodstream longer right. um, and that's what insulin resistance is right Okay, your body becomes resistant to insulin. Right, okay. right. And, and so you, you get into this cycle where you have your, your blood sugar state gets really high, 
Um, the person with diabetes will then check their blood sugar, see that their blood sugar is too high, usually inject um, insulin, and it lowers their uh, blood sugar. Um, and because it because of the way that their pancreas is dysfunctional uh, at those times, what will happen is if then they don't eat uh, for a while, their blood sugar will drop significantly. Right. They, that's when they need to drink some orange juice or they need a, a small piece of candy or something like that to increase their blood sugar because your blood sugar should stay at a pretty steady level. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and once we have that insulin dependent um, uh, or insulin resistant uh, depression or <laughs> insulin resistant depression, insulin resistant um, diabetes, then we have that tendency to have our blood sugar bouncing way up and way down uh, throughout the day. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because we, you become, because you're eating large amounts of food, high calorie foods, you're constantly straining this insulin system, right. the, the release of insulin. And eventually it starts to break down. It doesn't do what it's supposed to do. It doesn't function normally. I think that's why we're supposed to eat several times a day because it keeps everything in a sort of a steady state. Right. Um, because 32% of people are, this study, 30, almost 35% of Americans are pre-diabetic. We're all kind of flirting with this, um, this type two diabetes because of the way we eat, kind of foods we eat. So, um, and we have to be careful because the brain also has insulin receptors. And I think that's the connection that we're saying, if you're messing with your insulin system, it's not just how you're feeling, it's that insulin goes to your brain too. And it particularly affects structures like that, uh, that make new memories and that help us with balance and coordination and, and inhibition. So it has a direct, this insulin resistance has a direct effect on, on the brain. And that's what we wanna to try to get a better understanding of. Yeah, and, and there's, there's a lot of research looking at how other roles that um, maintaining high levels of, of glucose in your bloodstream, what it does to your body. Um, it creates a lot of inflammation, which we've talked about in the podcast before. Um, and as you said, it, it affects areas that um, relate to memory function, like the hippocampus, right. like that. And so then it be, makes it to where it's not all that surprising that diabetes is strongly correlated with um, Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. As we talked about, I think we talked about it a little bit last week, you know, there are many researchers who are referring to Alzheimer's as type 3 diabetes. Right, that was, yeah. It's strong um, that it looks like... Um, I mean, it looks like they're they're related to that same sort of general condition. Um, right. Yeah, because Alzheimer's event, it, it, the early stages of Alzheimer's, it attacks those brain structures that make new memories, and if, and that's what we know about Alzheimer's is they can't make new memories. They have they have stored memories, but they can't make new memories. So there is this connection between um, these insulin receptors in the brain specific parts of the brain that are related to memory right. and motivation, you know, so we know that, that certain areas are more affected than others. And, and so the, the, well, I'm just going to say, because that's, and that's where we start to bridge into mood disorders, like, like depression, right. because mm -hmm. depression is strongly related to motivation. And, uh, okay. if you, most people that you talk to with depression, one of the things that they say is that they don't have energy to do things that they want to do. And, and, you know, really what we're talking about there is the motivation, you know, right. I can't even get up out of bed. I just don't have the energy to do it. Well, right. if you don't have the motivation to do it, if, if the house is on fire, you'd probably get up and, and run out. 
of the bedroom. Um, but otherwise, you don't have the motivation to to do it. And and yeah, um, you know. And that may and that may be a good way of looking at that. I mean, you know, as you try to grasp the complexity. Of, and you're right. You know, we've said many times we don't even we can't even explain the whole digestive system, how digestion works and metabolism and all that because it's so complicated. But if you wanna narrow it down to a few things, um, eating these highly processed, high calorie foods is going to affect your brain because the brain has insulin receptors. So if you mess with your insulin output, you're going to be um, taxing these areas of your brain. And the two areas are memory and motivation. Those are the two that seem to be um, directly implicated in this insulin resistant state that we're putting ourselves in. Um, and so when you, when you, as you get larger, as we individually get larger and as a culture get larger, um, we're talking about a, a, a large number of people, 35% who are flirting with this, um, uh, uh, these brain um, anomalies. Well, and, and to your point from earlier, you know, this is a, this is a more recent problem. Mm -hmm. Because uh, you know, when you think about how our diets change, our, our diet, the standard American diet and what, what we typically consume here um, started to significantly change back in the 80s. Right. Um, and it started changing at that time because everybody became very conscientious about fat. Mm -hmm. uh, and so every, you know, if you look back at things, that's when everything started to go fat-free and low-fat and you started to have all these other alternatives. Well, while that may be fantastic, uh, on one hand, um, the problem is, is that there, there are two things that make food taste good, mm -hmm. fat and sugar. Right. Those are really the two things that make food taste good. So if you take out one, you have to add the other to right. make it palatable mm -hmm. for people to eat. Right. And so they take out the fat to make it low fat or, or, or no fat. Mm -hmm. They have to add sugar. They have to add something to make it taste good enough for you to eat it. Right. Um, and so starting in the 80s, we started seeing this significant increase in the amount of sugar that's that's in foods. Um, you know, you, you can go buy candy now that is pure sugar. And on the front, it will say a low fat diet, a, a low fat food. And dietitians knew because when I was at the University of Tech, I worked at the Children's Hospital of Austin and they had a dietitian there. And she made us aware of that back in the early 90s. You know, it was right after that. And she said, well, you know, it's fat-free, but it's it's loaded with sugar. They're, they're replacing the fat with sugar. So be careful of these low-fat diets. But that information didn't get out uh, to the general public until much later. Yeah, absolutely. So when we look at, you know, as this relates to kids, mm -hmm. and why we're getting, starting to have these problems younger and younger is because we're, we have a lot of processed foods because we don't have time to really cook. Um, right. and, you know, just to be honest, a lot of people, a lot of parents aren't home to cook home cooked meals because right. working multiple jobs or, um, you know, how many kids are on the run all the time because they have to go from this activity to that activity. Um, and so it's so much easier just to, you know, pop something in the microwave or even to stop by fast food or something like that. Um, right. In those highly processed foods like that, um, you know, they're going to be high in carbohydrates or high in sugars. They're certainly convenient. You know, you can pop them in the microwave and have a snack after school, pizza rolls or, you know, different sandwiches. But there's a price to pay for that. And especially in children, because, you know, there was that, as I said earlier, there was a time when 
children would be outside playing or inside playing and they would burn off all these calories. You know, you walk to school and you're active at school and you walk home and you play after school and you play at night. And um, even if you weren't involved in organized athletics, uh, you were outside doing things on your bicycle, running around, playing tag. Um, and I think of the pandemic, you know, what the pandemic has done is made, made everybody, including children, far more sedentary. Right. Uh, we're spending more time in, in our homes. And um, these kids are, are eating the same amount of food. They're eating the same calories, but they're not as active. And there's, there's going to start to store that, those calories as, as body fat. Right. And, and, so, and so this does help us bridge into that second article, right? Because we think about all of these health-related things. We think about diet because of what it does to our weight, what it does, you know, our risk for diabetes and heart, heart problems and, and strokes and things like that. And, right. and anytime we talk about that, we're typically talking about adults. Mm -hmm. However, you know, because kids don't burn off those extra calories like they used to, or because the, you know, most of the foods now are those foods that aren't as healthy, um, right. we're starting to see that, you know, some of these effects begin in childhood and can be, and can predict um, right. what's going to happen to an adult or that person wants to become an adult. Um, right. Right, and this is, a, this is an impressive study. There, there were 15,000 children who were followed uh, from age one to age 24. Uh, this is a massive study um, that um, was uh, reported in January of 2021. Um, and, it, and it targeted two things. It made two measurements over these years. Uh, one was insulin, mm -hmm. what were your insulin levels? And the other was body mass index, right. uh, the amount of fat. Uh, in your body. And they were measured, uh, insulin was measured at ages 9, 15, 18, and 24. And body mass index, they didn't specify, they specify in the study itself. Um, in this synopsis of the study, they just said repeatedly, because body mass index is now measured by pediatricians. Right. And so that it's part of your part of your well child visits, uh, if you're taking children to the pediatrician. Um, and so, so the, these are the two measures, body mass index and insulin. Yeah. And they, and they found, and, and so they watched them over time and, and, you know, assess things like any medical problems or any mental health problems or anything like that. And, and they found that, um, beginning at age nine, right. Children with, um, who had consistently high levels of insulin, right. Um, were five times more likely to to be at risk for, or at five times higher risk for psychosis and three times higher risk for later being diagnosed with either schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is alarming. It is really tough to wrap your head around that. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I was, I was absolutely astonished when I saw these numbers. And again, it takes a longitudinal study like this, which is very difficult to do. They're very expensive. And it's very difficult to do. And imagine doing a 24-year study. You have you know, to, have, and you have to have 15,000 people in it because you're going to have, you know, a ton of people right. out, and and you know, people who pass away or move away, and you lose contact with them, and things like that. So, right. yeah, this is the hardest research to do, and to do it for this long means that probably the original researchers may not have even been involved by the end of the study. Many of the original researchers would, have, would also have moved or transferred to other places. Mm -hmm. And so to, 
it, but it takes this kind of longitudinal rigor to be able to make these sorts of associations. Um, so um, that was the first one, we insulin levels. And we also learned that body mass index plays a role. Right, yeah. So if, if, a, if a child had a significant increase in their body mass index during puberty, they were four times more likely to experience depression by the time they were, time they were in their mid-20s. Right, right. They, they were also at higher risk for uh, psychosis. Um, again, you know, thinking about like schizophrenia and maybe mania, sometimes that's referred to as a psychosis. But, um, but yeah, so, so a significant increase in, in depression because of body mass index. And so, you know, when you just look at these two variables, insulin levels and body mass index, we, we start to find these significantly elevated correlations with mental health, significant serious mental health conditions. And we know that there's probably a bi-directional relationship. I mean, kids who are overweight and not social or teased, you know, they may withdraw and the withdrawal can also be related to the depression. But we, we acknowledge that, but at the same time, we have to remember that obesity and insulin levels are physical health risks. Right. And so regardless of, the, regardless of why it's happening, you should still address these, you should still be concerned about these issues. It doesn't matter whether the child is depressed because they're uh, being left out or they're depressed because of their diet. It doesn't matter. You have to take action. You have to do something about it. Right. And so when you think about what parents can do, you know, again, some of these things are very manageable, right. you know, <laughs> monitoring your kid's BMI, making sure that they stay at a healthy weight, um, you know, and, and you can do, deal with that through exercise and healthy diet and those kinds of things, you know, making sure that the pediatrician checks um, insulin levels and, you know, making adjustments and changes as necessary. Don't just think that, well, you know what, it, it's fine. He's only eight years old. He can eat a couple of Pop-Tarts in the morning before school and he'll be just fine. That, that's not a great way to start out your school day for one. And for two, it sounds like it's not a great way to start out your you know, mental health life. Uh, because that's just not healthy for you. Right. Yeah, I, I um, you know, we talk about the, you've, we talk about the paleo diet, right? Or remember the um, warrior diet that you did? Remember that? That's how people used to eat. Right. I mean, it, when you were very active, you know, um, I grew up in Amish country, okay? The, the Amish don't have machines. So everything they do has to be done by hand. Mm -hmm. Well, they get up in the morning and they have a meal that most of us couldn't consume. I mean, They'll eat, a, they'll eat pies for breakfast and they'll eat bacon and bread, and, mm -hmm. but they're going to burn all that off before noon. Right. Okay. Because they're so active. You don't, you don't ever, you don't, I never saw an Amish person um, who was overweight that because they were all active. Okay. And so, um, so let's monitor. So you monitor body mass index. You can do that with your pediatrician and you can also check insulin levels. I hate to condemn pediatricians to, having to check insulin levels for everybody, but it's probably, they only did it every few years, right. but fasting insulin levels. So if we check body mass index and fasting insulin levels, we know that these two things are related to obesity. They are related to insulin resistance and they are related to mental health, later mental health conditions. Absolutely. And then, and then you make changes accordingly, you know, and you think about, there, there are so many different diets out there. Um, and, you know, you can, there's so many things to choose from. 
Um, but but the nice thing is that there's so much help out there. You know, almost right. every every um, particular diet, whether it's paleo or mm. um, you know a ketogenic, like we talked about last week, or the Mediter Mediterranean diet, or uh, you know South Beach, that you can just go through the list. Um, there are tons of websites and tons of listservs and you know discussion boards and things like that that can provide you almost all of the information that you need um, right. you know, without having to purchase anything special. You just can go there and read about it and, and find out what's gonna suit best for your family. Right. You know, and, and all of these diets, we mentioned paleo or Whole30 or Weight Watchers, the Mediterranean diet, um, the Adkin, it doesn't matter which one you choose. They all have a few things in common. And one of them is stay away from processed foods. Stay away from high empty calories, so highly processed foods, fruits and raw fruits and vegetables cooked simply, mm -hmm. and very lean meat. So it's okay to eat meat, but eat lean meat. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't matter which. It, I know that Weight Watchers changed their thing recently, and you can eat all the chicken you want. A chicken has zero points. You don't you don't do any points if you eat chicken. And so, regardless of the diet you choose. Um, it's always those same three factors, avoid processed food, fruits and vegetables, and lean meat. And, and, and simply by doing that, you, you'll, you can make a significant difference, not only in your life, but, it, but right. the life of your, your kid now and, you know, 20 years from now. Right. Uh, when he's right. or she is a young adult. And yeah, it's just not worth the risk. I mean, we know that this risk factor exists. So let's be very, you know, parents should be very, very cautious yeah. um, about this issue in their children, uh, not only in themselves. Like you said, we typically think of diabetes as an adult disease. Well, it's not that simple. And maybe, um, not maybe, I think there's enough research now that suggests that we need to be considering all these things in children as well as adults. Absolutely, absolutely, mm -hmm. um, yeah. We, we, we need to make sure that we're thinking about that. And, and you're also sort of setting the stage for them as an adult, because right. mm -hmm. as an adult, the way that they eat typically as a kid. So right. yep. feel yep. that importance with them, so. Mm -hmm. All right, well, that's it for today. Okay. Um, hope you all have a great day. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.